What are some of the components of a successful spiritual practice? And how can we critique and troubleshoot our own path and our own practice so that we can better understand some of the pitfalls and some of the walls we're hitting in our own development? That's what we'll be taking a look at in today's video. Enjoy. Many practitioners, especially after the first few years on a particular spiritual path or following a particular method, hit walls in their practice. It's a very common experience. And a lot of times I've found over the years of, of talking with other practitioners and both to my own students as well as to just companions of mine on the spiritual path from different traditions, I found that a lot of people don't quite feel like they're able to properly troubleshoot their own spiritual path and their own spiritual progress, which I feel in today's environment of huge super gurus where it's very difficult to have a personal mentor sometimes, this is actually becoming a more and more important skill, even a necessary skill for many practitioners to have. You have to be able to reflect on your own path to, in a way, criticize it, critique it properly, break it apart, and see, kind of look inside of it and see where might there be room for improvement? Why have you hit a wall? There is always a reason why your progress has come to a standstill. There is always a reason for spiritual dryness, for hitting a wall, for feeling like all of a sudden, no matter how much effort you put in, you're not getting anything back. And in today's episode, we're going to be trying to understand this and figure out what can we do about it. Generally, I find that there are four things we really need to consider when we are looking at our own path. The first is tradition, lineage. Do you have a historical basis for your belief, for your faith in the particular practices and methods you are using? Are you part of a living lineage with a history of masters who have achieved success on the spiritual path using the techniques you are using. I'm not here speaking about book learning. I'm not talking about things you learned online. I'm saying, are you part of a provable, traceable living lineage of masters? This is the first thing. What is the situation of your lineage? Secondly, do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody who can actually give you some personal guidance? Or are you just trying to guide yourself with different self-help things and, and books and things that you read online? Without somebody who is a more developed and experienced practitioner helping you look at and critique your experiences and your practices, it's going to be very difficult to make any serious progress with the methods that you're using. So the, the second point that I find very important is, is there any mentorship happening? Meaning, is there a living teacher? who you are learning from actively. Thirdly, is your lifestyle similar or in any way comparable to the lifestyle traditionally advocated by the lineage and the methods that you're using in your path? Is your day-to-day -day life, what you eat, what you drink, what you spend your time on throughout the day, in any way comparable to the way of life of the masters of the lineage that you are using and partaking of? This is a really important issue, and we'll get really deeply into this because it deals with a lot of aspects of just proper living on the spiritual path, which I find this to very often be one of the main culprits for people's lack of progress. And finally, the fourth point that I think is very important is, are you doing anything to give 
back to the universe? Are you doing anything to give back in exchange for all the blessings that you are trying to gain from the universe through your prayers, through your practice, through following the methods and following the teachings of, of your guide? Are you doing anything to give back to the universe? Or are you just taking, taking, taking? Because eventually that well will run dry. So these are four things that I think are often at the basis. We could go much further. And really, there's many, many subtle details, but I've tried my best to sum up four basic principle stances, four basic things we need to be able to look at to better critique and understand some of the issues we may be experiencing with our path. Now, the first of these is very important, but strangely enough, somewhat controversial in today's spiritual world, even though it's never ever been an issue of controversy before, and that's the issue of lineage, tradition. As more and more spiritual practitioners, and especially as more and more spiritual teachers, pop up out of the woodworks with all kinds of new systems and ideas and teachings, and they start writing books and making videos and popping up on shows and interviews, and they begin to attract a following, there hasn't been a very good vetting process that happens. You know, usually all that happens is people say, oh, I like the things this person is saying. I like some of the techniques that they're giving. I like the kind of charisma they have about them. And that's kind of a dangerous way of thinking because charisma and realization are not the same thing. Someone can be very charismatic and be an absolute idiot when it comes to the words coming out of their mouth. They may have no reason or basis for what they're saying. It helps tremendously on the path if there's a basis for your faith, for your belief in the practices and methods which you are using. That's what lineage is all about. A lineage, being part of a living lineage, allows us to look back at a history, sometimes a very long history, 40, 50, 60 generations of accomplished masters who accomplished what they did using the same techniques you're using today. Oftentimes, when people hit a slump in their practice, they suffer from a lack of faith. And even, it's hard to see which comes first. Did they hit the slump and then they had a lack of faith? Or did they start, did they always have a lack of faith? And that's what eventually, inevitably led to hitting a wall. Because if you don't possess deep faith in the path and the methods that you're using, you're going to eventually run out of motivation. You're going to run out of your why. You don't have a good why. You don't have a, have a good basis for your belief in the practice. And as a result, it's going to be really hard to dedicate yourself to something for years on end that you don't have a strong foundation in, in terms of your belief and understanding of why you should use this practice. Why should you believe in this practice? Why should you dedicate years of your life to this practice, to this method, to this particular tradition? So lineage is very important because when you're part of a living lineage, you are able to reflect deeply on the masters of that lineage. And this helps bestow a lot of faith in your practice. It can help you pick yourself back up and remind yourself, you know, I am this next generation of practitioners. I am part of this living tradition. I have faith because the masters before me, they accomplished what they did using these same methods. I know that these are the methods they use because I learned them from my teacher who learned them from theirs, who learned them from theirs, who learned them from theirs, going back for generations. 
That's the first essential point. Is there a lineage, is there a historical basis for why you think the practice will work and for why you should have faith in the practice and in the method? Because if there isn't, one of two things may be happening. For one, you just may have really always lacked the conviction necessary to apply yourself to the technique because you didn't have faith in the technique and in the methods because there was no lineage there to help give you faith. Or it's not a working method and you have no reason to believe it's a working method other than just that you read it in a book somewhere at one point or someone who you liked and, and appreciated and you thought they were charismatic and they gave the teaching and so you started doing it. And the truth is, it may give you a little bit of results early on because it follows some of the basic principles of a, of a method such as yoga. But that doesn't mean it has any actual legitimacy to it to help you get through these slumps and these walls on the path. The second point that you have to look at is there a living teacher. And I don't just mean somebody far off on, on the YouTube channel who you like to follow and you like to watch their events because they're very popular. I mean, do you, do you personally have a living teacher who is able to look at your practices with you, help you understand some of the problems that you're having, and especially, most importantly, make sure you're doing the practice the right way. Make sure you're following the method the right way. So many practitioners I've met over the years, because of a total lack of mentorship in their spiritual life, have just subtly, it's like a game, they played a game of telephone with themselves. Right? Somehow, over the course of a year or two or three years, they accidentally, in subtle ways, changed the technique that they were practicing in a dozen little things and in a dozen little parts, so that a few years later, when you see that what method they're practicing, it doesn't resemble the actual authentic technique or method. So this is one of the reasons why not only just spiritual companionship, having friends on the spiritual path you can speak with and check up with who can help you reevaluate your practices and how you're applying yourself, but also specifically spiritual mentorship. You have a living spiritual mentor, spiritual teacher, guide who is helping you, who knows you, who knows your name who knows your life, who would recognize your face? Do you have a living mentor who can help guide you and teach you so that you can better understand how to apply yourself to the path? Because the spiritual sciences and the esoteric sciences are a vast system of study. You're not going to get it on your own. You need a mentor with it. It's just like with any other discipline on earth that you want to exceed at. The best way to exceed in it is through mentorship and dedicated learning from a qualified instructor. So this is the second point. Either there's a lack of regular mentorship due to how popular or how large a teacher may be, uh, and in some cases even an utter lack of mentorship due to how, uh, how popular the teacher may be, or you're just been running through different books and videos self-teaching and, and therefore you don't have a living lineage and you don't have a living teacher, a living mentor. And as a result of that, you really are, are severely lacking in some of the most important tools necessary to avail yourself of the spiritual path and to make the progress that you could be making. The third point, and this is generally the case with most practitioners that I meet, at least especially in, in Western countries, is the issue of lifestyle. Is your lifestyle 
in any way conducive to the achievements and signs of success of the spiritual path? Or is what you eat, what you drink, the people you spend time around, the place where you live, you know, all these other things, the music you listen to, how many things in your life are creating a tug, a pull in the opposite direction of where the spiritual path is trying to pull you? which is towards happiness, which is towards constancy, which is towards a constant peace and contentment and rest right? and freedom. How many things in your life are actually boxing you in, binding you psychologically, ideologically, physically, chemically, through drug abuse, through cigarettes, through lots of alcohol, through eating bad food, through eating way too much of certain kinds of foods, by, by not taking care of your body properly? Are you breathing clean air? Do you live in a city with clean air? Are you able to have access to clean drinking water that isn't filtered and full of chemicals? Can you get actually good spring water? Are you able to have access to good, clean food? Can you go out of your way to make sure that your diet is full of organic ingredients so that you're not just eating pesticides and drinking pesticides all the time? Are you taking good care of your endocrine system through not only diet and, and proper fats and everything in your daily life, but also making sure that your hormone levels are healthy? Are you making sure that you're getting the right amount of sleep? All of these things, every single one of them, is going to influence your spiritual practice. And the only person who doesn't see this is someone who completely lacks self-reflection and self-examination. Because if you closely watch yourself all day long, and then you watch yourself when you sit to do your practice, you will see how the events of your day, the psychological events, the physical events, the emotional events, ended up influencing your spiritual practice ended up influencing your meditations and your exercises that day. A spiritual practitioner should be somebody who is strong, somebody who is psychologically strong, somebody who is emotionally strong and healthy. By strong here I mean healthy. Someone who is physically strong and healthy. You know, just make sure you can be you can touch your toes. Make sure you can stretch. Make sure that you're not tired all the time with big rings underneath your eyes and losing your complexion and, and your voice being weak. All these things show that your body is starving for energy. Your body needs vitality. Every spiritual discipline in the world works better in a healthy, fresh, vitalized mind and body. Take care of your brain. Take care of your body. Do some exercise. Do some stretches. Change your diet. Look at your diet closely. If the spiritual path is meant to be the most important thing in life, then that means your favorite foods now need to pay obeisance to the spiritual path and to the needs and the demands of the spiritual path. So don't allow fixations and habits that you have to stand in the way of your practice. Of course, there are dimensions to spiritual discipline that go far beyond simple physical daily habits. And some people, such as those living in very large populated cities, it may be very difficult to have access to clean air and, and to clean water. And depending on finances and the economy, it can be even hard to get access to clean food. So you have to do the best that you can 
which means not just giving up with a negative mindset and hoping for the best, but actually even paying more attention to every single little thing. If you can't do anything about the quality of air where you live, well, then you better be working really hard to try to ensure the quality of your food and the quality of your water. The spiritual path is meant to be lived. It is meant to fill like water every single nook and cranny of your life. It is not meant to be something that just happens on a little meditation cushion in a room somewhere for 30 minutes a day or an hour a day. It's meant to be something that fills the entire space of your life. And lifestyle is part of how we do that. We slowly, gradually conform our lifestyle to be in harmony with the principles and the goals of the path which we are practicing. The fourth point, which is something that my, uh, my sheikh taught me, my Sufi sheikh, when I was learning some aspects of the Sufi tradition. And they have a very work-oriented mindset. You know, so you're always working. When you're healthy, you do the work. When you're sick, you do the work. You know, spiritual work is not ever optional in any situation. That was a great piece of advice he gave me. But another really important one that actually deeply affected how I viewed spiritual development and spiritual progress is he told me that if you're not giving back in any way, if you're not giving back, if you're not helping support the poor and the needy and helping feed those who are hungry and helping your community and being a good neighbor and helping those who are in need, if you're not giving back, then really you're being selfish. You're just expecting the universe to give and give and give to you. So that you just take it all. You take all the blessings, you take the light, you take the energy, you take the spiritual openings and, and spiritual experiences, and you don't give anything back to people. You don't give anything back to the world that you live in. And this creates an, an unequalness between you and the spiritual path, between you and the universe. And it closes off this connection. And this is largely how uh, my teacher, at least, understood a large aspect of spiritual dryness, that usually when a practitioner was experiencing spiritual dryness, it was simply because they weren't giving back at all. They were practicing every day, maybe for years, but they never went out and helped with charity. They never donated or made any attempt to regularly donate any extra money that they have. They never tried to donate their time to people. They never even just walked around the neighborhood and, and picked up trash on the side of the road to keep things clean. You know, there, there's no attempt to give back. And this seems, uh, especially amongst today's spiritual practitioners, to be kind of a chronic issue, just a bunch of selfish practitioners that are taking and taking from their teachers and taking and taking from the universe and never giving anything back, not really contributing in, in meaningful ways, right? Or at least, uh, you know, when they do contribute, it tends to have some kind of secondary gain or reward. Maybe they're, maybe they're only donating their time to help uh, with the guru or with the teacher because they're secretly hoping they can get closer to the teacher. Or they can gain some kind of rank or status around the teacher. None of that is pure. There's no virtue in any of that. That's not actually giving back. This is something that I have found time and time again becomes a deciding factor in people having a spiritual opening, having a real spiritual awakening, is when they've hit a period of dryness. I, I'm always asked, like, are you doing anything to give back? And so far, every time, it's always no. A lot of people, the first response is, oh yeah, I give back, because we all like to think of ourselves as, as not being selfish and as doing something for the people around us. But then when I actually ask, like, okay, well, write down on paper how you do. 
You know, like, what does it actually look like? How many hours a week do you give back? Um, then all of a sudden it becomes more difficult to pin it down because it's not just an ethereal idea. Try to actually meaningfully give back to the world and to the people around you, to your community and to those in need. A spiritual practitioner should always be a blessing for their community, should always be a blessing for the people around them, and they shouldn't take credit for the good deeds that they do. And in living that way, you'll receive blessing after blessing and things will open up for you. So this is the fourth and to me one of the most important of the points as to why people hit these kind of spiritual dry spells and, and why you may have hit a wall in your spiritual practice. I hope you've enjoyed today's video. It's a little bit different than the, the trend of some of our previous videos, not as critical of, of the path or different aspects of it, but just intended to be a little bit helpful and, you know, intellect is very good, reasoning is very good, but where it shines on the spiritual path is when we turn our reasoning and our intellect towards ourselves and deeply re-evaluate ourselves, our priorities, and things like our practice. And in order to be able to evaluate our practice properly, we need to have some criteria to evaluate it with. And I hope that uh, this episode today was able to help some people with that and help them feel like they have a little bit of a criteria now to look at and better understand their own path. And maybe even if you're not experiencing a period of dryness or, or hitting a wall in your practice, just this information will help you continue to refine and to develop your own spiritual practice and lifestyle. Thank you all, and I hope you've enjoyed. Mm -hmm.